I pray for those that raise their hand, the three precious individuals. I ask you to wash them clean. Father God, as they surrender, as by, by raising their hand as a sign of acknowledgement that I want to be clean, I ask you to do that now. Let the precious blood of Jesus wash everyone clean now in Jesus' name. And let us receive your word now in Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Can we give God praise for three individuals that want to be clean? Praise you, Jesus. Well, today I'm going to be speaking on speaking gifts. Everybody say speaking gifts. So while you're still standing, we're going to hit the scripture real quick. And I'll just, I don't mind telling you, uh, this is going to be the hardest message of all of them for me to preach. This is the one that goes sideways for people, and I hope to make it as simple and clear. Uh, if you're watching online, we welcome our online campus. And those of you watching online, please stick with me to the end. I've got a I've got a powerful illustration that God gave me uh, this week for the end of this message, so you don't want to tune out. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 through 11 reads, But the manifestation of the Spirit is, to given to, is given to each one for the profit of all. So, the gifts of the Spirit are for all of us, and therefore our good. Is that right? Amen. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one, poke your neighbor and say, you're in each, that means for all of us, individually as He wills, it says the Spirit of God wills. Somebody say a good amen. Thank you so much, Lord, for your word. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for what you've done already in this house. And I pray, anoint me to speak forth your word, not in word and tongue only, but also in power indeed. And let this message be very clear and concise and simple for all to understand in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Hold your Bibles up in whatever form that you have. And let's boldly declare, Father, today, this week, by your grace, I'm going to be a doer of your word and not a hearer only, deceiving my own self. Now, Lord, anoint my ears, anoint my heart, anoint my spirit, my soul, my mind, and my body to receive the truth of your word. In Christ's name I pray, amen. If you're comfortable, high five somebody or maybe give somebody an air high five. Tell them you're glad to see them today. Amen. Well, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We've been in this series on the gifts of the Spirit, and we've had some demonstrations of these gifts. How many are thankful for the Holy Spirit and His moving of the Spirit? Amen? Amen. Glory to God. So how do we clump these together? Just in a recap here, we have the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, discernment of spirits. That's, those are intuitive gifts, or these three gifts reveal. Then we have the gift of faith healing, and miracles, and those are demonstrating gifts. These three do. Today, as we're going to tackle the tough ones, uh, for some reason, these are harder for, for folks to receive than other way, and hopefully I'll make it very clear and easy to understand today, but you have prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, and these are expression or speaking gifts, and these three say. Now, there's no order of importance to these. There's no 
There's no big, greater one and lesser one. They're just simply nine gifts. They're not in any particular order of importance. There's no, again, lesser or greater. They're just simply nine gifts of the Spirit. Everybody say they're gifts. They are gifts to help us and profit us all. When you, when you receive a gift, it profits uh, everyone who receives the gift, right? So, for example, uh, Ozzy Albies in the World Series stole a base in Taco Bell on November 4th, gave everyone a free taco who showed up. They gave a free gift. Now they're promotional. They're trying to get you to come and eat at their restaurant. The fact is they gave a gift that profited all. The word of wisdom is a divine answer. Just in a recap here. It's a divine answer or solution for a particular event. The word of wisdom means an expression of wisdom at a specific moment for a specific person. Then we talked about two weeks ago word of knowledge also. And that is to know something specific without having learned it by natural means. It's a specific fact of the way you know something. The Holy Spirit reveals something to you about someone or something that you could not have possibly known otherwise. Then we have discerning of spirits, which means to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. The Greek word diakrisis literally means to see through and to see what's going on. Last week, we moved into the demonstration gifts, the gift of faith, which is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. The gift of the faith is that thing where when you touch the Nile River, you know it's turning to blood. Where when you stand in the Jordan River, you know it's going to stand at attention. Where when you raise your rod over your Red Sea, you know it's going to split. When you march around your walls of Jericho and you shout, you know they're coming down. Somebody shout amen. It is a belief for a certain thing and you know that you know that you know it is going to happen. That's a gift of faith. Then we talked about the working of miracles, which is divine intervention that alters our natural circumstances. In the Greek, it's literally the focus of power. And we, use, we talked about a magnifying glass and how that focus of power can change things. And it's the presence of God is here, but when he divinely touches you with a miracle, he is releasing a focus of power in your life. How many has ever received a miracle? Am I the only one? Raise your hand up high if you've received a miracle before. Look around this auditorium. Raise them up if you received it. I want everybody to see. Look, the, the majority of us have received miracles. Can we get a good amen for that? Can we praise God? I see two hands in the back. I love it. <laughs> then we talked about the gifts of healing, the supernatural endowments of divine health. We talked about can people be healed in the midst of crisis or uh, in chaos, excuse me. And we said, yes, we can. Look, when someone gets healed at church or if you pray for someone, they get healed. All it means is that God loves sick people and wants to heal them. God is never validating the person that's laying on the hands or the church. He's validating the fact that he gives gifts and he loves to heal people. Amen. Now, remember, God gives us these gifts in spite of ourselves. So we don't have to make anything happen. And in fact, we cannot make anything happen. That's the good news. That means the monkey's off our back. That means we just let God be God. Someone say a good amen. So let's get into these three gifts today. The first one, most everyone in churchdom around the world is going to receive. It's the last two that we're going to uh, tackle and deal with. But number one, the gift of prophecy. Point number one is the gift of prophecy. Everybody say the gift of prophecy. Now the gift of prophecy is a message of encouragement from God through a person 
to a person or persons. Listen, prophecy is about encouraging people, not discouraging people. There's a lot of prophesying that goes on out there that discourages people. Prophecy is meant to encourage you, to encourage you to get right with God, to encourage you in your faith, to encourage you to go closer to Him. It is, it is a matter of something to encourage you and propel you to either believe God, get right with God, whatever it is. It is never to discourage. Some want to make it only about futuristic prophecy. But here in the gifts of the Spirit, it is speaking of an authoritative word from God. What does that mean? That is foretelling. Here's foretelling. You ready? You've read it in the Bible. Repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. That is prophecy. That's a prophetic word. You can be speaking in righteous indignation. You can be speaking calm and speaking the truth in love. It doesn't matter the volume of your voice. The prophetic word can come on you. Maybe you're in a meeting and no one knows what to do. And someone says, hey, I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying we need to pray. If the body believes together and says, yes, we all need to pray, that was a prophetic word from God saying, hey, here's the foretelling plan of God and here's what you need to do. Now, preaching can be prophetic, but not all preaching is necessarily prophetic. A word of prophecy, listen, is not a word of prophecy unless it's spoken. A word of wisdom is not a word of wisdom until it is spoken. Neither is a word of knowledge, neither is the word of prophecy. In order for it to be a prophetic word to go forth and encourage the body, it has to be spoken. Someone shout amen. One time I was preaching and I got in the middle of the sermon and I just stopped and I don't know, the Holy Spirit just came over me and I shouted out right in the middle of my sermon. I said, thus says the Lord. This is your last chance to repent. God says, get it right now. There was a holy hush that came on the auditorium. People began to get very quiet. You heard some sniffles. It was a God moment. It is when you speak and the power of God just, just anoints that word and it goes forth and it does what God set it out to accomplish. It's kind of the difference between reading black and white in the Bible and reading. Have you ever been reading the Bible and the words just jump off the page into your spirit? And you're like, God just spoke to me. Has that ever happened to anybody? I hope it's happened to all of us. That's the rhema word of God. That's the difference between logos and rhema. That simply means God is speaking to you. And that word that you're reading is the word for the hour for right then. And you need it. In the same way, we've got to be prophetic with our church. Lord, we thank you for our Rehoboth. I thank you, Father God, for the community that you're sending us to. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for opening the door that no man can open and closing the door that no man can close. Devil, I speak to you and I command you to loose our building in the name of Jesus. I speak to you and I command you to loose the community God has for us. You may be occupying now, but I command you to leave that territory now in the name of Jesus. You're moving out and we're moving in in the name of Jesus. You get out in the name of Jesus. Do you hear me? I command you to go. 
God has given us a word as a church. We have our Rehoboth coming. God has given us a word that we will burst forth and we will inherit the land. God has given us a word that says we'll occupy what is ours. And I command you in the name of Jesus, get out of our land. Get out of our building. Loose it in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout glory. Glory to God. Anybody, did that bear witness with anybody? Did that bear witness with anybody? That's a prophetic word. The Lord led me to do that. Here's where we begin to lose people. Tongues and interpretation. They're different kinds. But listen, you cannot take the other seven gifts and say, yeah, I'll take some wisdom, I'll take some healing, I'll take some... Uh, you know, miracles, I'll take all this other, but you can keep your tongues in interpretation because I don't understand it and it makes me, it feels weird to me. I wasn't brought up like that. I was raised in a church where they didn't have that. I don't, I don't, I'm not familiar with it. I don't understand speaking in a different language. I'll take the other seven, but not these two. No, you can't do that. This isn't a Chinese buffet. I'll take the fried rice and the orange chicken, but you keep the wonton soup. It's not the way it works. Amen. His gifts are there for a reason, and they're important, and they're all valuable. Someone say amen. So point number two is this. There are different kinds of tongues. So let me just unwrap this a little bit. Different kind of tongues is defined this way. Listen, I know tongue scares people sometimes, but listen to the definition. A message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. They're just speaking a language. It's not alien. It's not something made up. It's just simply a language. Now, there's a difference between the gift of tongues and the grace of tongues. We'll define it that way. The gift of tongues is where you speak out loud in a congregation and then someone interprets it. The grace of tongues could be defined as our prayer language. It's something that we, the Holy Spirit comes on us. We're in worship. We're in prayer. And we begin to pray in tongues or sing in tongues. Now, the Bible says that tongues is a sign to the unbeliever that there's something different there. One kind of tongue is an impartation at the moment of the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit. Pastor, why does God have me speak in tongues at the initial baptism of the Holy Spirit? Maybe because the Bible says that our tongue is an unruly evil full of deadly poison and no man can tame it. And maybe it's because when he knows he's got your tongue, he's got you. Someone say a good amen for that. Another different kind of tongue is, as we said, in a public setting, and it is accompanied with an interpretation. And the Bible is clear that no one is to interrupt that, and that no more are two or three messages in tongues and interpretation per service. Now, of the nine gifts, the other seven can all be seen in the Old Testament. Wisdom knowledge, discernment, healing, miracles, all those, prophecy, can all be seen. These two gifts, tongues and interpretation, are strictly a New Testament gift after Jesus Christ died and was raised from the grave and he sent the Holy Spirit to the earth. This is God speaking to us. Listen, when someone speaks out in tongues and interpretation, the leadership of the church bears witness with me. We feel like God is speaking. You know, it, it, God still speaks. The same God who spoke in the Bible is the same God still speaking today. 
There's a movement out there, and I don't understand it. This, this, these two preachers got into this discussion one day, and the one minister said, man, I just don't believe God spoke all he's going to speak. He spoke through the word, and we, we don't need all that other stuff now. He said, really? He said, what do you do for a living? He said, well, I'm a minister. He said, well, how'd you know to become a minister? And he kind of smiled, and he said, you got me. He said, exactly. You felt like God called you in the ministry. He goes, yeah. He said, well, I didn't think God spoke anymore. <laughs> Listen, God does speak outside of the Bible. He'll never speak contrary to the Bible, but he will absolutely tell you, don't buy that house, buy this house. Don't buy this car right now, you wait. Go here and do this, but don't do that. Do you, does that make sense? Does God still speak? Absolutely. Someone shout amen for that. We'd all be in trouble. Many, many, many times we have had message in tongues and interpretation and a holy hush came on the the congregation, and you could feel the presence of God, and you knew God was speaking. Now, we are ministering with the gifts of the Spirit in Corinth today. Remember, not, not Jerusalem. That means we all have failures and faults, and we mix all that in, and we believe that the Holy Spirit still works through us in spite of our weaknesses. Aren't you glad about that? Look what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 14, 2. And leave this up for just a moment. For he who speaks in a tongue does not, watch this now, I want to ask you if you think this is a bad thing. For he who speaks in a tongue, an unknown tongue, unknown to you the language, does not speak to men, but to God. How many of you think it's a bad thing to talk to God? There's so many people, they're terrified of tongues because they don't understand it. They think it's weird. But the Bible simply says, you're just talking to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. When you don't know what to do, and you're praying in tongues, many times I've had this, the answer, it almost like bubbles up and hits you. And you're like, that's what we're supposed to do. Has that ever happened to anybody? And it just like that mystery gets solved for you and you understand it. Now, some will use this verse. Holly and I are in a little bit of disagreement over whether or not the devil can understand tongues or not. She uses this verse and she says right there. She's even, she one day we're in the car and she's pulling up right here in the Greek. No one. That means no one. Not even the devil. And I, you know, maybe so. That could be. I, for one, have never believed that the devil cannot understand tongues. Why? I mean, what's the difference? If you pray in, in tongues... He's Well, I don't know what he's saying there, so i got to bow out. But he's praying in English, so I'm like Pac-Man. I'm going to gobble his prayers up. I mean, really? Do we really believe he's going to gobble up our prayers if we pray in English but not in tongues? Do we really believe the same devil that can go to the throne room of God and talk to him at any time has, uh, can't understand what it is that we're praying in tongues? Do we really not think that the devil doesn't understand all the languages of the earth? Maybe so. Maybe this is true. Maybe when you pray in tongues, the devil doesn't understand. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I think personally it has to do when you pray in tongues, it is the Holy Spirit praying through you straight to God. Amen. It is you talking to God, and that is a prayer maybe the devil can or can't understand, but one thing's for sure, he cannot ever stop. Someone say amen. Policing the situation can be complex. So if I'm up here preaching a sermon, 
Why would God, God's speaking through me right now. I believe that. I've prayed. I've fasted. I've sought God. I've studied the message. I've prepared all week. God is speaking through me right now. Why would God interrupt himself to speak out a message in tongues and interpretation only to go back and speak again through me? Why would God interrupt? When you have message in tongues and interpretation, most of the time it's during worship. It's at a different part of the service. But more than likely, it's never during the sermon part because God's already speaking right now. Does that make sense? Policing the situation can be funny. Some Lulu lady got, got, got started, uh, and she was off, and everyone on the platform knew it. It was a large church. And the pastor said, man, when something's going crazy, turn all the microphones off. Well, they fell asleep at the wheel, and the pastor was looking over at the worship leader, and the whole congregation heard him say, for God's sake, start a song or something, because this lady's nuts. Policing this situation can be tough because there's got to be balance. You can't stifle it. And on the other hand, you can't just let everyone go crazy, right? The hardest ministry in the world is balanced, spirit-filled ministry. The easiest ministry in the world is Lutheran. Why? Because nothing's happening. It's all dead. The second easiest to pastor is, a, is just let everybody go crazy. Just sing hallelujah and whatever happens and hey man, we're just going to let things go. The hardest job is to police an authentic, spirit-filled church. And that is where we've got to have leadership, elders, pastors all come together. And so that bears witness with me. Did you know in the New Testament, Paul said, if you give a prophetic word, the leaders of the church are supposed to actually talk about it and say, yes, we feel like that was from God. Yep, congregation, we received this. Did you know that's the New Testament? That is how it's supposed to work. It's supposed to bear witness with the whole body. Have you ever heard a message in tongues and interpretation and you went, I don't know about that. Does that mean it's an illegitimate gift? No, it just means maybe somebody missed it. We had a lady one time that she started, she would wait right at the end of worship. When everything got quiet, everybody sat down, and boy, there she'd go. Well, she did it one Sunday. It didn't set that well with me. She did it a second Sunday, same time in the service, same way, same everything. She gave the message in tongues. She interpreted Third Sunday really just bothered my spirit. So I called her up, and I said, hey, can you come in the office? I want to talk to you. Now, you talk about getting on shaky ground when you start dealing with this. It's not easy to deal with. I sat down and I said, there's a difference between the gift of tongues and the grace of tongues. And we talked about that. She said, yeah, I'm aware. I said, well, for three straight weeks now, you've given a message in tongues and interpretation at the same time in the service in the same way. And I said, here's what I, and she said, yeah. And I said, well, here's what I need you to do. I need you to be very, 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 very sure before you start giving a message in tongues and interpretation that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt it is God trying to speak to the whole congregation and not you just praying in the spirit on your own. We need to know that God's in this. She said, okay. The next Sunday, no message in tongues and interpretation. The next Sunday, no. Now it happened again eventually and you could feel it. The people were saying, yes, that God was in that. But listen, if you, don't, if, you don't, if, you don't, if you watch it, it becomes parlor games. All of a sudden now, every Sunday for three straight months, same person, same time in the service, you wonder, is God really doing that? I want the authentic gifts. I want the real gifts. Is this okay to preach? 
See, now this is an equal opportunity confusing message for everybody here. Because we have some in here, you've been raised in the Pentecostal church, and maybe you've been part of something where anything goes. For others, this is new to you, you have no idea what I'm talking about because you're here for the first time today. Whatever the case may be, we need balanced, real, authentic, spirit-filled gifts and moves of the spirit. That's what we're after, amen? Why? Because flesh quenches the spirit more than order does all day long. I've heard people tell me, brother, pastor, we just can't have order because, man, you start, you start putting order in there and the Holy Spirit flows out. Listen, God's the one who created order and systems. He created a solar system for our benefit. He created a circular system in your body to function so you could do. He created a blood system. He created all kinds of systems in your body, within this earth, within space. God works within systems and within order all day long more than he does out of order and chaos. Someone shout a good amen. He operates through us to give us the word. Why can't he operate through us to discern the word? Here's another different kind of tongue. The impartation for a specific language. That's called xenolalia. Everybody say xenolalia. Uh, everybody say xenolalia. That means that God gives some people a specific language and they never studied it before. My mentor, one of my mentors, Mark Rutland, was on a missions trip in Mexico. While he was there, it was a Spanish-speaking country, maybe not Mexico. While he was there, the interpreter got sick. They were to go to church. No one in the congregation spoke English. Mark Rutland and no one on the team spoke Spanish. The interpreter's home sick. Church service is about to start. What are they going to do? Mark Rutland got up there. He knew just a simple, you know, hey, you know, hola, como estas? And he didn't know what he was going to do. He got up there and thought, well, I'll just tell him hi and I'll try my best to explain we don't have a way to communicate because all y'all do is speak Spanish and all we do is speak English. It was a real mess. He said, I got up there and he said, I started to speak and he said, all of a sudden more phrases came to my mind and he said, instantly, he said, I knew Spanish fluently and began to speak fluently and preach the message. He said, I have no idea where it came from. His father-in-law was an atheist. Columbia University professor stood up in the back and said, Mark, what are you doing? I mean, right in the middle of service. He said, I'm talking to the people. He said, well, I can see that, but what are you, what are you doing speaking Spanish? He said, I don't know. God just gave it to me. He said, well, you can't do that because I know you don't know Spanish. Mark Rutland said, well, what do you want me to tell you? I know it now. The professor atheist goes, but this is impossible. He said, I know, but God's the God of impossible. And he just gave me fluent Spanish, and I'm going to preach to these people. His father-in-law wound up getting saved from that. That's a true story. He was in Japan preaching, and he said he was in Japan, in Tokyo. He's preaching in this large church, and for whatever reason, he feels led to pray in Spanish at the end of service. As he's praying in Spanish, he hears someone start wailing, and she makes her way. The, the noise is getting louder and louder. She comes all the way to the front. She's hysterical. He comes down, and he says, ma'am, what is going on? She looks. She's not Japanese. She's Spanish. She said, I am the daughter of a Chilean pastor. I'm from Chile. She said, I met a Japanese businessman, ran off with him against the wishes of my family, made a huge mistake. 
She said, now I feel like I've thrown my life away. I showed up at this church today, and I prayed, God, if you're still real and you still love me, you've got to speak to me. And she said, you started praying in Spanish. She gave her heart to the Lord, got on an airplane the next day back to Santiago, Chile, and was reunited with her family. I'm going to tell you, God gives the gifts, watch this, for the profit of all. Another different kind of tongue is for private prayer, right? Or Roberts called it a prayer language. That's where we get it from. He said, what is the purpose, and I want you to hear this, what is the purpose of tongues if you only speak in tongues at the initial evidence but never pray in tongues again? Your passion for speaking in tongues can actually stop you from getting the baptism of the Holy Spirit because we speak, we seek the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, not tongues. Tongues comes with it. But if you don't speak in tongues, listen, if you don't speak in tongues, relax. I don't know if everyone in here will, if you will speak in tongues. But one thing I do know, if you don't open your mouth and speak, you absolutely won't. If you want to speak in tongues, you have got to open your mouth and in faith speak what the Holy Spirit puts on you. The utterance of the Holy Spirit. Is this okay today? God is not going to take your tongue and wag it for you. You are not going to be in Walmart and go, oh, here it is. Oh, give me to the car. Give me the keys. It's coming out. And start speaking in tongues and go, I'm humiliated. No, God's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't work that way. Someone say amen. Look, it's a shame to take something so sweet like tongues and either turn it into an obligation that says you have to have it or you forbid it because you don't understand it and say, I don't understand it, so it's out. Listen, tongues is a beautiful gift of the Spirit to help us all. Everybody say, for the profit of all. Watch what 1 Corinthians 14, 18 says. I thank my God, watch this, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. Now leave this up for just a minute. Paul is writing here, and he says, I want to thank God that I speak in tongues, number one. He says, secondly, I want to thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. Now listen, Paul wrote one-third of the New Testament. He wrote 13 to 14 out of the 27 books uh, If you count up the words and so forth, you would be around half or a third, excuse me, of the New Testament. And so he wrote all this. He's the greatest apostle that ever lived. And he said, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. I have a question for you. If Paul, who wrote one third of the New Testament, if Paul wrote 13 to 14 books in the New Testament out of 27, if Paul is the greatest apostle that ever lived, wanted to speak in tongues more than everybody else and realized he needed to, how much more do you think we should? Number three is this. Point number three is the interpretation of tongues. That is understanding and expressing the thought or the intent of the message in tongues. Now this is the most difficult for all of us to talk about. Suppose a message in tongues goes to the congregation. Interpretation is never a translation. It is simply giving you the meaning behind what was being said so that you will understand You'll begin to have a phrase in your spirit. And when you begin to speak it out, you just speak it out. You don't have to feel the need to dress it up. 
You don't have to change your voice, try to make it more authentic than it already is. You just simply say, I feel like God is saying, submit it to the body. You take the message in tongues and submit it to that person with the, with the interpretation of tongues. Sometimes it can be the same person. Sometimes it's different. And together we submit that to the body. And the body says that resonates in my spirit. Yes, that was God speaking to us. That's how authentic spirit-filled church is supposed to work. It's supposed to wear, bear witness in all of our spirits. Can someone say a good amen for that? Now, the gift is perfect, but the vessel's not. So just because someone misses it doesn't mean it's an illegitimate gift now. Well, I heard someone miss it, or they faked it, so it's out. I had someone one time tell me that. Well, I saw someone fake it, and so now the whole thing is out. No, just because there's a fake and a fraud doesn't mean that the gift is not real. So what about praying in tongues out loud in a worship service while you're worshiping? Well, know the complexion of the group. If everyone can pray in English together, why can't everyone pray in the Spirit together? As a matter of fact, if you're out in the lobby and we all at one time, all of us, pray in English together, to them it's going to sound like tongues. They're not going to understand anything. Why? Because everybody's praying, although we're praying all in English, there's so many voices praying that it's going to be confusing to them in the lobby. They're just going to hear mumble jumble. Isn't that right? So what's the difference? However, be careful in praying in tongues without interpretation. It's best to just speak in tongues quietly. Now, does that mean that when I'm in a worship session and I'm worshiping away that I can't pray in tongues or sing in tongues? No, my, 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 by all means, pray in tongues. Sing in tongues if that's all. What we're saying is it becomes a private worship thing. It becomes a private prayer thing. When we come to the altar and you feel the Spirit of God come on you to pray in tongues, pray in tongues by all means. There is a difference in you doing that privately, kind of quietly to yourself, than it is out loud for the whole congregation where the, where the church service stops and everyone stops to hear what God is saying. And you also should never say, well, I just can't help it. I've had people say that before. I can't help it, Pastor. Man, the Spirit comes on me, and I just, and I just can't help it. I just got to belt it out for everybody to hear. Well, the Bible says that the spirit of a prophet is subject to the prophet himself. And it's not internal combustion, right? It's not involuntary seizures. That's not praying. That's internal combustion. So we've got to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. And some of you may be saying right now, why even have the gift of in tongues interpretation? Because God is trying to tell us all that he is real and he is speaking something that we all need to hear. Last thing before we close up with a powerful illustration. What about the phenomenon of being slain in the Spirit? Pastor, I don't understand this. You pray for somebody, they fall out on the floor. I remember when I first, my brother started going to a Pentecostal church. Virgil, if you're watching this, sorry, but it really is funny. He said, man, you got to go to this church with me. I said, what is it? I didn't know what kind of church it was. He said, man, he said, I go in and it feels like the walls are vibrating. Right away, I'm thinking, he probably found him a Pentecostal church. He said, man, he said, Maritza, his wife, Maritza. He said, Maritza went down there and he said, man, that preacher knocked her on her butt. Only he used a different word. He said, I ain't going down there. That preacher ain't knocking me on mine. I can tell you that right now. And I started laughing. I said, oh, she got slain in the spirit. He said, I don't know what she got, but I ain't going down there getting knocked down either. 
Nehemiah wasn't understanding what we were talking about. Sometimes when you pray for somebody, they will fall out under the power of God into the floor. Now that is not, listen, this is not a clearly biblical phenomenon, but you can find something, I believe, to describe it. Revelation 1.17, the Bible says, when John the Revelator, when I saw him, Jesus, I fell at his feet as though dead. Sounds like slain in the spirit or falling out under the power of God. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I'm the first and the last. So there's a few places like that. So intellectually, a God who fills himself with a 100-pound woman or a 200-pound man, it just makes sense that they get overwhelmed by the presence of God and lose the ability to function on their own for a few moments. Historically, this happened in John Wesley's revivals. Listen. John Wesley hated speaking in tongues and he hated people falling out on the floor. He was a control freak. One of the greatest revivals of all time was one of the greatest control freaks. He had a nasally irritating voice and he would tell his people, hey, are them people speaking in tongues and falling out on the floor? They'd say, yes, they are. He said, stop them. We're not going to have that in my revival meetings. You stop them, no more of that. I mean, he was adamant. He'd come back around the circle a month or two later. He'd say, hey, did you stop them speaking in tongues and falling out on the floor? They said, yes, we did. But we also noticed at the same time that the revival stopped and God, power of God quit being present. John Wesley said, fine, and let them fall on the floor and talk in tongues. He hated it. He could not understand it and didn't want it. But he also recognized that when he allowed the Spirit of God to move freely, that the power of God would save souls, would change lives, would heal the sick. Can someone say a good amen? D.L. Moody had an experience one time at Wall Street of all places where he said, God, you've got to stay your hand. I can't take any more of your presence right now. At George Whitfield revivals, he would be preaching in Philadelphia at the time in the 1700s. 25,000 people lived in Philadelphia. He'd have crowds of 30,000. The whole city would come, the outlying areas. People like Benjamin Franklin used to love to go hear him preach. They would go, listen, just watch. And the, and the history records that he would lay hands and people would fall out under the power of God. And they would be, one account said they were stacked up. People were stacked up like corn. Wood. And I mean, the power of God was moving. Revival was flowing. Listen, you can call it resting in the spirit. You can call it whatever you want. But the greatest definition I've ever heard was from one person who said it this way, an explanation. He said, slain in the spirit could be this. There may be things in God that God wants to do in you that he can't do with your help. So he just lets you rest while he works. The problem comes in with courtesy drops. We call them CDs. Everybody say CDs. We in the preacher realm call them CDs. I don't like courtesy drops. We don't, I don't like CDs. What is a CD? Well, nine straight people fall out in the spirit and a tenth person has cancer and they think if I don't fall out in the spirit, God's not going to heal me. So I'm going to fake it and fall. There's an incredible temptation for this social obligation to look around and see all these other people and they fall out. Or the 10-year-old little boy who sees everyone else and the preacher comes to pray and the 10-year-old boy thinks, boy, if I don't fall out on the floor, mommy's going to die of cancer, so I better fall out. That's called a CD. That's called a courtesy drop and God's not in that. 
If you pray for someone and they fall out in the spirit, move to the other side of the platform. Don't, don't try to start a chain reaction. It, listen, I have prayed for people. I have not even touched people before. And they have just collapsed in the floor. I didn't even touch them. I've gone to pray for them and that's happened. And they just collapsed in the floor. Okay, that's what God wanted. The power of God overwhelmed them. That's okay. God was working on them. They got up. They were different. They had a new, a new a step in their walk. They, they, they just reacted different. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying, don't fall. I've seen people fall under looking down around while they're falling out. They don't know what's going on. They think they have to. You don't have to fall out on the floor. However, when God comes on you, I promise you, he's big enough to put you in the floor. Someone say amen. I had an evangelist one time, he would come, and he would put his hand on your head, and he would jerk your head back to where he'd break your neck or you'd fall. I finally got him after service. I said, hey, man, we don't help people fall in this church. If God wants to overwhelm them and put them in the floor, he's a big enough guy to do it on his own. Someone say amen. Now, let me tell you, I've done carpet time. I've been laid out on the floor for over an hour before and had no idea what happened. Listen, it's real. I had a preacher go to pray for me one time. He didn't get within three feet of me. All I knew is I woke up three rows back under some chairs. I have no idea what happened. That's the power of God, and it's real. And it does happen. What I'm saying is we want it to be real in here and not, not do courtesy drops. Someone say amen. Okay. How many of you would say, here I am, God. I'm willing for you to pour out the gifts of the Spirit through me. Here's the illustration God gave me. If you're watching online, I need you to hear this very closely. God gave me this this week for this service. In order for the gifts of the Spirit, all nine to operate, they work through people for the profit of all. So when we come together, Hebrews 10, 25, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. When we all come together in person like this, God works through one person to bless another and so forth. He works through us all. So let me hear, let me ask you this. How many of you, it's Christmas season. How many of you would make plans to go be with your family, maybe some friends, and you're going to have a gift exchange? And you say, man, I got, I'm going to go get these gifts for my family. You see the videos, they're shooting videos, the Christmas tree is full. There's Christmas presents all under the tree, and you see there's a few with your name on it. Man, you're excited. I, look, I'm 47, but I still get excited when I see my name on a tag under the tree. I go, well, I got a gift. I hope it's not switches or coal, but I praise God, I got a gift. I'm excited to see what my gift is. How many are like me? You, you hey, man, somebody loved me enough to give me a gift. I'm excited about it. Okay, so you got all this plan. Christmas Eve, your family's excited. Hey, be over here. You know the kids, they're going to be bouncing on the bed before the sun comes up. Hey, we want you to get, be over here early in the morning. Because they're going to want to open gifts. We want to open gifts. You say, yes, I'll be there in the morning. Man, it's all lined up. There are gifts with your name. You can't wait to receive them. You have gifts you're bringing. And for whatever reason, you just decide not to show up. No call. Nobody knows where you are. You don't answer the phone. Another week goes by. January goes by. February, by March, they've done put your gifts in the closet somewhere. You have gifts in your closet somewhere. And both parties have missed out. You've missed out receiving and enjoying the gifts that person had for you. You, this, vice versa, you missed out receiving and enjoying the gifts God had for you through those people and vice versa. Here's the illustration God gave me. That's what's happening in the body of Christ. 
all throughout the world, especially since COVID. People are sitting home in their living rooms, and you have gifts that we all need, but we haven't seen you in months. We have gifts for you, but you can't receive them in your living room. You're supposed to be here. And if I'm bothering you, I hope I am. Because I feel strongly the Lord saying, it's time to come together. Listen, COVID is virtually over. If you can go to the grocery store, the mall, work, ball games, and everything else under the sun, COVID is not going to get you at church, but not everywhere else. Listen, I know I'm on dangerous territory here, but I'm here to tell you, how can you ever receive the gifts God has for you if you're not in the body? Amen. And how can you be a gift to someone else if you're never in the body? It doesn't mean you don't miss for vacation or sickness or this, that, or the other. What it simply means is if you are never connected to a body, if church for you is now sitting and watching through a television tube, how many gifts are not flowing through you and to you? Could it be that maybe you've been praying to be healed and because you won't come be part of the body, you're leaving your gift under the Christmas tree, spiritually speaking. Could it be that you have been praying, God, use me? And God says, okay, I'm going to use you this Sunday. And say, oh, well, you know, it's 3 o'clock in Harrison. I had a busy week. And I can't go. Maybe God was going to pick you to lay hands on someone with cancer and see them healed divinely today. But we'll never know because your gift is wrapped in a present somewhere else. Is that okay to preach that way? The gifts work by all of us submitting ourselves to God and letting the gifts flow through us. Nobody in here, nobody, would leave their gifts under a Christmas tree. As a matter of fact, some of the family members you have, you may not see them again till the next Christmas, but you're going to show up on Christmas because that's what you do as a family. And that's what you do for your family. Man, every Sunday, listen, can be Christmas at Bridge of Hope if we all come together and we submit ourselves.